This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and him, Pete George. Well, we uh, join you after an international break and after a Albion goalless draw with Plymouth at the Hawthorns. Not the results I think anybody necessarily wanted or indeed expected, to be honest. Uh, Plymouth, a fairly attacking side um, and one that you probably expected to score against us, but one that you expected us to score against. But maybe not that surprising given Albion's uh, complete and utter dearth of attacking options. Pete, whilst it wasn't necessarily the result we wanted or indeed, like I say, expected, I think probably when you actually go to analyse the game, which is exactly what we will do on this pod and exactly what you and I have been doing in preparation for this pod, I think when you look through it, you probably say it it was a it was a pretty fair result, really, overall. Um, just, I mean, in basic summary... Albion largely, uh, Plymouth largely dominating the first half, Albion largely dominating the second half, but then again, neither really doing that much or enough to score a goal. Albion 0.8 XG overall, Plymouth 0.5 XG. And when when you've got kind of 1.3 XG between the two teams, you you probably look at it and go, yeah, it's kind of a nil-nil game, isn't it? It wasn't the most exciting game like you say, Plymouth had their, created a few chances, but never really any big chances. Mostly just good efforts from from Ringe, like the one that Whitaker almost, I think, posed. Um, and it was mostly that, so it was never really massive chances, and, and Albion didn't create either. So, yeah, it was just um, a game of not many chances and, and not the most entertaining to watch. So, yeah, nil no was. Uh, by the way, we are um, Pete it finds himself in uh, Robert Corrin territory today, the uh, the home of um, uh, of Slovenia, where um, 
The countryside is beautiful. The central midfielders they um, provide us with a, a wonderful. But um, I think it's fair to say, Pete, that the, the Wi-Fi is not the not the most phenomenal. So uh, apologies if it's uh, if it's not the world's greatest connection that we that we have today. But um, uh, as is as is the nature of, um, uh, of of different European Wi-Fi standards, I'm I'm afraid. But anyway, going back to uh, going back to the game and. I mean, as you say, Pete, not one that anybody will be rushing out to buy the DVD of. Um, I've, I've just watched the the highlights back just because I was like, even though I watch, I'm at the game, I'm, I'm at the Hawthorns and I see the full 90 minutes before my eyes. I, I always like to... Um, to check the highlights, not least because obviously stuff that happens at the, at the Smethwick end is not a particularly good view for me from the Birmingham road end. And I mean, it was noticeable to me that <laughs> the highlights were two minutes, 45 in length. And that was, that, that was fairly generous to be honest. Um, uh, there was quite a few replays thrown in there for good measure to make up those highlights, but I, it's not massively surprising that from our point of view, at least that it was such a struggle to score goals. Obviously, John Swift out injured, Sarmiento out injured as well. And you look at our attacking options going into this game. The Preston game was obviously something of a perfect storm and four different goal scorers. None of them were John Swift. But if you take that Preston game, which at this moment in time does look a bit of an outlier in the in terms of performance, because it's the one game where we really, really got us aside and and really destroyed them, to be honest. I don't think we've. I don't think we can really say we've done that to anybody else this season. So if you lift that one out, because it's a bit of a, as I say, it's a little bit of a misnomer in there. It's not. It's not. It's not what we can expect as a regular sort of performance from Albion at this present moment in time, anyway. And without Preston, John Swift has scored four of our last five goals. The only one he hasn't scored was uh, was Wallace at um, at Watford. So to lose John Swift is to lose most of your recent goals, it has to be said. Brandon Thomas-Asante obviously leading the line. He hasn't scored since August. You've got Grady one side of him. Whilst he's playing well, in my humble opinion, he hasn't scored yet this season. Wallace, the other side of him, he has scored once this season. And neither Grady nor Wallace really list goal scoring as... They're, they're creative players rather than goal scorers. It's not... It, they're, they're not they're not the guys you want you want finishing i mean seven of the 17 goals that we've scored this season are currently injured with swift and sarmiento out and without swift and sarmiento six of the 10 goals other goals that we have scored have been scored by defenders Pete, taking a slightly generous approach to defender there i'm including matt phillips as one but he is playing as a wing back at this moment in time so it just goes to show you that really once you once you take John Swift out of the equation, he really is everything to us when it comes to comes to goal scoring. And you suddenly it's not a massive surprise that on Saturday against Plymouth, predominantly our threat was from set pieces. Now we have done well from set pieces this season. Um Bartley, Kipre, and Ajay have all have all racked up a goal. From from set plays, so we have been a, we have been a threat from them, but without John Swift from open play, really, where do, where does the threat come from? Because Brandon, 
bless his heart. I do. I'm, I'm a big, big fan, and, and and you cannot question his his work rate. But I was I I was at a um uh, I was I was at the Ian Hamilton uh, tribute evening um on Thursday night. By the way, a wonderful night um in honor of uh, in honor of a brilliant, brilliant servant to West Bromwich Albion Football Club. Um, as as always, our thoughts with with his family at this at this difficult time, and that was a lovely, lovely occasion for them um to talk about their 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 dearly departed but i mean it, lee hughes was was um on the stage talking and and he actually got asked about the current incumbents and he he was talking about uh, brandon and he said when 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 he joined the club he did similar things to what brandon is doing now probably because he said he he believes Brandon is snatching at chances that he's that, that he looks he looks a bit nervous that he lacks maybe a bit of confidence. He said, but Lee, Lee said that the big thing for him was that he had Cyril Regis at the club at the time who just really sat him down and coached him and said, look, you know, you just need to, to breathe a bit more. You need to take your time. You need to calm down. Don't worry if you miss one, the, the next chance will come. And you think actually, who are the experienced strikers that Thomas Asante is being able to learn off at the moment there's no one he's having to he's having to play i mean if he's not playing it's midfielders are playing in his position dk is the well the 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 more natural number 9 but even he's exactly the same age as thomas asante masher again a young man not not an experienced player i mean you just, you you do wonder whether there's there's got to be something to be said for Maybe bringing in a centre forward coach is the, you know is there is there an ex Albion striker that w- that would be prepared to come and do the job that Cyril Regis did for for Lee Hughes because there's no experienced striker on on the books and we need to start finding a threat from from somewhere because whilst whilst Swift is out injured there's there's a real there's a real gap there in terms of in terms of our threat and to be honest john swift as the number 10 shouldn't be having to shouldn't be having to lead that that threat and wallace and dean garner shouldn't be having to plug that gap pete they it, they should be creating chances for somebody else i realize it's a huge burden to put on brandon and and i i completely i completely accept that because brandon has you know has obviously come from Salford in a very short time has had to step up a massively high level and he's not a naturalized number 9 he's a winger converted into a striker so i'm not criticizing him but he needs some help, doesn't he? He needs he needs somebody to learn off. He, he needs some advice. He needs some confidence as well because he looks absolutely shot to bits at the moment. And it's not it's not a massive surprise that we are that we're lacking a threat without John Swift outside of set plays. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think it's just down to Thomas Santi's finishing either. I think a lot of it is we're we're not creating enough chances. And that's more down to the likes of Grady and, and Jed Wallace who are on the pitch. Obviously, Swift provided a fair bit of that, but a lot of the goals that we'd scored recently were more just Swift kind of scoring from places that maybe you wouldn't expect him to score from. Sorry, Peter, I just wanted to jump in there because um, it, I know I have the advantage of a 360-degree view of uh, of the pitch and, and and you have to watch it on a on a stream, which obviously disadvantages you when I'm about to ask the question that I'm, I'm about to ask. But you talk about um, there that 
you know, the responsibilities on Dean Garner and Wallace to create more chances. I have to say, when I'm at the game, what, what, I, what I'm seeing is, is Brandon making some quite poor runs, if I'm honest, which which I think disadvantages the players who are trying to actually create the, the, the chances for him. Again, I'm, this is not really a criticism. It's something where I think he needs greater coaching. He needs some help. But I, and, and I think it's very much because he's not a naturalised centre forward and therefore making, because he's not come through necessarily playing as a centre forward. So I, I think making those runs doesn't come naturally to him and he probably needs needs it to be coached into him, but I think he I think he runs into areas where he he stops the attack. What do you think? Yeah, that might be a um, potential issue. Like you say, it's not easy to see when you're not in the stadium. But I mean, it's felt like a bit of an issue for the whole season that we're just not creating enough chances, and we have relied on John Swift a little bit. Part of that you've definitely got to put on the on the striker because you know it's a skill to actually be able to help create chances and get, you know, kind of just find your own chances. But I think you've also got to look at the, the creative players a little bit. So, yeah, you probably, you know, split that burden on on more than just Wallace and Dan Garner and probably do look at Tom Santi a bit. Um, but, yeah, I think we were relying on John Swift a bit too much. And now, now he's out injured, we're, we're struggling to, to get any kind of chances and score goals. Um, it felt like against Plymouth we were going to focus more on trying to win set pieces and corners especially and then attacking them with the centre-backs that we got out on, out on the pitch, um, especially Bartley. It was the most... We had 10 corners against Plymouth and I think that's the joint highest we've had all season. But it felt like if we were going down the wing, um, quite often we'd put crosses in that you know we weren't too bothered about actually completing the cross because we didn't have enough men in the middle um, or we're well-positioned for it. We were more looking for to get the deflection off the the defender and go out for a corner and then set up for the set piece. Um, we didn't in the end. Um, do, do you think that's because they don't have a, a lot of faith in, in Brandon at, at the moment, that they're not necessarily looking to deliver that ball into the middle? I mean, he's never really been... I think he's he's good in in behind when balls are slipped in behind. In terms of getting into that position, I don't back him one-on-one. But in terms of the ball going in... I, I don't really back him to win that header a, a great deal. He's he's certainly not DK, let's put it that way. Yeah, maybe not win the header, but I think the vast majority of his goals have come from, or well, the vast majority of his goals for Albion have come from balls into the box, whether that's off the initial cross or off a second ball after that first cross has been defended. Yeah, I think it's quite a high proportion of his goals have actually come from those kind of situations. So getting the ball into the box for him seems like the best way for him to be able to, to get chances and score goals, but doesn't feel like we're doing it quite often enough and maybe with Jed quite often playing more central it's not helping either because you know you're missing out on what's probably his biggest skill of actually putting crosses into the box um so it's yeah I think there's a few things that just you know it's not completely clicking yet let's talk about the two players either side of uh, of Brandon or sort of either side it's not quite how we how we line up if truth be told but the the, the two players supporting Brandon I think would probably be a better way of 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 putting it um, I think for, let's start with Grady D and Garner, Pete, because I, I really felt for him against Plymouth. If I, if I'm honest, I I thought it was it was a game where he he absolutely did his best, but I thought they kicked him off the pitch. If if I'm honest, some of 
Plymouth. I, I I got a lot of positive things to say about the way Plymouth played first half, and uh, and when we look at why we were dominated first half, and we will come to come to that because that's sort of the other end of the field, and we're almost um, flip reversing this one and focusing on the uh, on on the attacking play and. Uh, first, which means we're more focused on the second half than uh, than the first, and we'll come to the defensive play shortly, and and that will be more focused on the first half for fairly ov- obvious reasons that Plymouth dominated the first half and we dominate the second half. I've got a lot of positive things to say about the way Plymouth played first half. I thought they were dynamic. I thought they moved the ball really, really well. I, I just think you know they one they lack a goal scorer, and two they maybe that final pass i think uh, or or the final decision would be a better way of putting it was uh, was slightly lacking for them i think if they if if they if they had a little bit more ruthlessness in terms of their final decision making i don't think we'd have necessarily even been in the game at half time to have a go at it second half but we were and we did a little bit and their tactics second half in particular were stop grady Dean garner i think without john swift they looked at it and went he is the primary threat here. He was the most fouled player on the pitch. He he uh, fouls on Grady Dean Garner resulted in two bookings as well. Plymouth's overall booking tally was seven bookings, um, five of which came in the second half, three of which came in the last five minutes when Albion were coming on a little bit stronger and trying to trying to win the game. Plymouth's tactics second half were to break the game up when when we took control on it, and that was. It was quite a cynical way of going about the game. But then again, I suppose, you know, you're away from home. You're a team that's towards the bottom of the league. You've got to get a result however you can. And I thought the referee dealt with it as best he could, but it didn't help Albion. And it certainly didn't help Grady Dean Garner, the amount he was he was actually being kicked. That being said, when Grady actually did get on the ball and wasn't being fouled, he was he was being productive. Um he he had he had the most completed dribbles he completed um i believe it was 4 out of uh, out of 5 of his uh, of his dribbles you know he he actually had a he had a fairly decent game yeah 4 out of 5 successful uh, take-ons he obviously had um the the closest thing we had to well, we had the we had the one for the header um, from Malumbi, which Ajay was stretching to get on at the uh, at the back post, uh, the, and our next best chance was Grady's deflected shot that Cooper did well to scramble across and and get a save on. I mean, you couple that as well, and I'm not here to be an apologist for for Grady Dean Garner, but obviously the guy has been away on international duty as well as well this week, and I think I'm right in saying he was the only player in our starting 11 who had been away on international duty. So, I mean, it, it's, it, it's not terribly surprising that his performance would be less than perfect, but I actually didn't think he did that much wrong, Pete. I just thought, I just thought that there was, there was a clear tactic in the second half from Plymouth of stop Grady by fair means or foul. And a lot of the time, as the data shows, it was foul means. And, I I I just uh, I thought the problem was that normally when one player gets targeted like that, what it opens up is a lot of a lot more space, a lot more opportunities for your other creative players. But the issue is at the moment we haven't really got any others. Yeah, I thought it probably wasn't one of the best games for Grady that he's had. Um, you know, last few games he's been really good. Again, there was, there was a couple of moments that he had that looked good, and then it just felt like it wasn't consistent enough and was never really too much of a threat. So it was, yeah, like I say, it's probably not one of his his best games so far this season because 
previously. He looked like he was getting back to what we saw when we had him on loan under Bilic, but there was still some promising things, but it just it feels like we need somebody that's going to just kind of take control of the game when we're, we're not looking like we're going to create much. We need somebody that's going to get on the ball and just demand the ball and then play from there. Obviously, John Swift has been kind of that person the last few, well, for the whole season, basically, but it seems like we're missing it now and and it just needs somebody to, you know, get everyone going and if somebody can kind of take control of that, then other players might come into the game a bit more and everyone looks a bit better, but it just, yeah, we seem to be lacking somebody that, that is going to do that and you'd think somebody like Grady, who's got the ability to, to be the best player on the pitch, would be kind of the perfect person to do that. It's just, he's not impacting games enough. He's, yeah, he's looked good in, good in games and in parts of games, but it's never consistent enough and, and not threatening enough yet. I suppose the other one that you could turn to is Jed Wallace, uh, Pete. And look, anybody who follows me on Twitter will know where, what, what I'm talking about here. But I, it annoys me when people offer data without any real context. I think what we what we always try to do on this uh, on this podcast is we obviously watch the games, which is first and foremost. And again, it annoys me when people say, um, oh, the eye test over uh, over the data. Well, how about both? You know, it's not it's not a crime to uh, actually watch the game and look at the data. But when people offer data to a clear agenda and without any real context, it really annoys me. And and there was a certain post that was very much uh, that, that way uh, around... Um, uh, around Jed Wallace, which suggested that he'd had a poor game against Plymouth because he had uh, a low pass completion uh, rate and that he didn't win all of his duels. Well, here's here's the real data around Jed Wallace. He had uh, he received the second most uh, um, it, sorry he had the second most progressive carries. He received the most progressive passes. He um, had the fourth most progressive passes made and he had the second most shot creating actions. The facts around Jed Wallace is that he he actually was the player against Plymouth who tried his best to take the game by the scruff of the neck. The the data that was offered on uh, Jed Wallace on X is so misleading because look, you were going to have a lower pass completion rate when you're trying to make things happen. That's just how it is. I'm not saying by one set, by for one moment here, by the way, that Jed Wallace had something that anything approaching a phenomenal game against Plymouth. But you want to look at our forward players and tell me which one of the three of them was the best. It was Jed Wallace comfortably, Pete. He was the one trying to make things happen, wasn't he? he when you talk about somebody trying to grab the game by the scruff of the neck, Jed was the one trying to make that happen, even if it wasn't quite coming off on this occasion. As I say, if you if you're looking for a out of the four three forwards um, a standout, it was Jed. And I thought some of the criticism of him on that one particular post was, well, it 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 was it was purely inaccurate. It, that's what it was. Yeah, he did a lot of good work. Um, you mentioned the progressive passes. I've got the re- he received fourteen. The gradient. Brandon, they both received five each, so what's nine more than both of them. Um, and a lot were kind of runs, long balls in behind, or long passes in behind, whatever you want to call it. But he was making runs in behind and trying to stretch that Plymouth defence um, and getting onto these passes. So I think he, he did put in a lot of work and um, helped us move up the pitch because, you know, without those runs in behind, then we probably 
struggle to to get up the pitch into the attacking third. So there's the positives that he's done there, and well, for probably a third of the game, he was playing as a, a striker as well. Um, for most of the season, he's not played out really wide as a, a right winger, chalk on his boots kind of player, which is probably the best position for him. But he's he's having to fill in in different roles and different positions and playing different parts of the boat. You know that's not helping either. And yeah, for for parts of the game against Plymouth, at least he was playing as a striker. Other parts, he was playing out on the left. I think him and Grady swapped at one point and um, playing with wing-backs as well. He's never never going to be the extremely wide man, like the widest player on the right, because Furlong's always out there as well. So I think he had a good game. Definitely not a spectacular game, but he had a good game, in, again, in conditions that aren't really best suited for him. So I think, yeah, I think it's unfair to say that, that he was poor again or hint at that, when in reality he was probably one of our, our better players in a game that to be fair, we didn't have anyone that really majorly stood out. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I think where our major threat, other than, of course, the... um... Uh, the, the set pieces came from Pete was was the was the two wide players um, in Furlong and uh, and Phillips. Um, now Matty had uh, had the most shot creating actions seven. Um, Furlong had uh, had four the same as the same as Wallace. Furlong made the most progressive uh, passes in the game. Phillips made the most progressive carries. And it, I think if you are looking for a positive in terms of our offensive play. And to be honest, without Swift, I'll I'll, I'll 100% hold my hand up. There's not a lot to pick from. But if you are looking for a positive in terms of our offensive play, the wing-backs seem to be really, really growing into this system and game on game making themselves more and more integral. I know you've obviously got Pippa snapping at the heels of... um, uh, of, um, Furlong for a start, and I know there's people, given our current worries in terms of a centre-forward, asking the question whether Matty Phillips should be moved there. I would suggest that Furlong, at this moment in time, is doing a brilliant job of keeping Pipper at bay with his performances, and I would suggest that whilst I understand the argument for potentially playing Matt Phillips at centre-forward, I at this moment in time would be reticent to do that because he'd be such a massive loss from fullback, wouldn't he, Pete? Yeah, he does a lot of his work in possession further forward anyway, so it's um I don't think he necessarily needs to be moved further for- forwards because he gets forward so much and 
does a lot of work there. But yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought he did Phillips. Again, it's he did a lot of stuff in the final third and in terms of cross taking his man on to then get shot off as well. Um so, you know, some games he's not gonna be as successful as others. Um I thought he probably wasn't as successful in it against Plymouth, but he was still doing the right things and you know, it was only a cross away from getting an assist and having a really good game or a shot away from curling one of the top corner and having a really good game. So again he, he was one that maybe wasn't as good as he has been attempting the right things and trying to do the right things. So yeah, you can't complain with that. And Furlong on the opposite side didn't get as far forward really, wasn't as creative, really helped us move forward. So he did his work there. Obviously, the, the, if you want to find a positive, the positive is that that's four clean sheets in, in five games, Pete. And we will come to the defensive side of it because getting that clean sheet was by no means a guarantee, although Plymouth didn't cause us masses of problems either. It's worth saying, though, four clean sheets in five games after after we had conceded two goals a game in every game bar one prior to that. I know people would like us to be more offensive, and I know there's some people who are highly frustrated by the t- style of football, uh, that, that it, it's maybe too laboured at times, that it, it, the handbrake is not taken off enough. I do understand that. I do completely understand that. However, what I would say is that the handbrake was a little bit more off earlier in the season and we were conceding two goals a game. And I think the reality of the situation is if you concede, if you keep four clean sheets in five, well, you can only possibly lose one of those games which is exactly what's happened. We have only lost uh, one of those games. But if you concede two goals a game, you're probably going to lose most of those games. And that's and that's the reality of the situation. Corbran is, whatever the problem's going forward, he is giving us a foundation from which to build. And as I say, I, I get that it's frustrating. I, I get that a lot of Albion fans would like to see us doing a lot more in offensive areas but I suppose whilst you haven't got the tools going forward and he is he is without Sarmiento, Major, DK, Swift at the moment I mean that is given that we didn't have a plethora of um of attacking options when everybody was fit that is a lot of attacking players to be without I suppose the minimum he's got to do is is keep it solid and and not and not lose the game and you'll pick up more points keeping four clean sheets in five, even if you don't, uh, then you will conceding two goals a game, even if you don't score as many goals. Trying to score three goals a game or or two goals a game to at, to at minimum get a draw is an incredibly difficult ask, isn't it, Pete? And I, I, think, I think it's worth stating that whilst we are at the moment a frustrating side to, to watch and I don't think any Albion fan is going to be dancing in their living room uh, on a Saturday evening after we've drawn nil-nil at home to Plymouth and I completely understand why I think you've you've got to you've got to recognize where we are short of players and that whilst this is going on if we can continue to keep clean sheets we will we uh, well, we're at the very minimum not going to lose games yeah clean sheets are always going to be a good fan foundation to build on I mean, we survived in the in the Premier League for what three or four years, whatever it was under Pulis, with that as the foundation, but mainly as the 
was one of the few goals and it did as well and we had some some high finishes as well with it we weren't just scraping survival every year so yeah it's always a good foundation to build on and in the championship you'd hope that we'd have a bit more talent relative to the opposition to be able to create chances as well but it does sometimes feel like we're not getting men forward quick enough or often enough to support the attack but if you can build on clean sheets then as you say you can't you can't lose games so you can be picking up points and it's something we weren't doing at the start of the season when Corbin first came in kind of the one of the biggest things on that really good run that we we put together was that we've been keeping it tight at the back uh, so it might be might might make things a bit dull to watch initially but I think with every clean sheet as well you build confidence in the defense and then you can probably have a bit more freedom to to move players forward as you build that confidence as well let's flip it Pete a little bit and talk about the defensive side of the of the game and the first half and I think we probably need to focus a little bit on one player here because Eric Peters was substituted after 58 minutes I'm again similar with any Albion player I'm not going to sit here I'm not got no interest in digging an Albion player out but for me it was a minimum of 13 minutes too long. I thought he should have come off at half time because I thought he was utterly exposed in that first half. The amount of times that Plymouth, 42% of their attacks over the whole game went down their right-hand side. They constantly got Morgan Whitaker in behind Eric Peters. And this is one where, for me, the data doesn't tell the whole story because actually you look at Phillips's defending numbers and they're pretty good. He won 100% of, the, of his tackles. He won more tackles than any other player. That wasn't the problem. Phillips's one-on-one defending is not is 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 not in question here. The problem is when Phillips gets turned around when the ball gets played in behind him, which by the way is a very very difficult metric to measure because it's not really it's it, it's not it's not a duel between two players. It's a ball played in behind him. That's where he gets massively exposed, and I can't help feeling Pete that, that I mean. Plymouth exposed us in the first half. Corbrand said after the match that part of the reason they exposed us in the first half was they found a way to break our press pretty much every time. And I think part of the reason that they found a way to break our press was because Peters was going and pressing in areas that he shouldn't be. And again, he was getting exposed in behind him. It's not the first time that I've seen this kind of tactic from side facing us even even Sheffield Wednesday who were probably the most toothless side I've seen this season their primary tactic was popping the ball into the channel for Ashley Fletcher to try and uh, to try and run onto into that their right our left channel and I feel like it's a tactic I'm seeing more and more from teams I'm worried Pete that this is something that if Peters continues in the team that teams are going to do their best to exploit week in week out and i think it is it's genuinely an area of weakness for us to the point where where corbran knew he had to bring one of his one of his defenders off after an hour and replace him which is not something he generally tends to do i personally would like to see townsend in on tuesday night because i think he's quicker he's more mobile there's not a great deal of difference in the air. And at the moment, the only argument really for Peters being in there is, oh, well, positionally, he knows the position better. Well, he's not playing it positionally particularly well because if he was, he wouldn't be getting exposed in behind. 
I think as a one-on-one defender, I've got no arguments about Eric Peters, but it's the the space he leaves in behind Pete. And and we talk about four clean sheets in five. That's not going to continue if if teams see that we've got something of an Achilles heel that they can that they can target week in week out. Yeah, well, with the breaking the press, obviously getting behind Eric Peters was one of them. But I thought Fenerzas was another reason. In midfield, he just seemed to be incredible at receiving the ball with his his back to goal and then turning players that are trying to press him as well. I thought he had a, a really good game. Um, but with Peters, yeah, he obviously struggles with covering the space that's in behind him. I'm not sure if he was ever the quick, quickest of players, but you know he's getting towards the end of his career now and definitely doesn't have the, the pace to cover those big spaces. Got to do it more with positioning and intelligence there rather than just covering ground. Um, so maybe bringing in Townsend would help that. I mean, I suppose the other option is to bring in Shemir Jai, probably shift Kipre out there, as we did for the first game of the season against Blackburn. I think Kipre played on the left side of the back three, um, which is an option, but he's the, the left-footed player at left-centre-back, so which Corbin seems to, to really like to have a left-footed player there to help you know move the ball around, and it's just a lot easier to receive off other players and then play it out with or if you've got a left-footed player there rather than a right-footed player there, it's not as natural. So because of that, he might favour favour Townsend. Um, he seems again, very committed you, to, to that left-footer on the left, isn't he? He's very committed to the left-footer on the left. Which might rule out bringing in a Jai for Peters. It's an interesting one. Um, the spacing behind Peters is definitely looking at an issue for us. In terms of us keeping a clean sheet, Pete, Another really important factor in that seemed to be the performance of Alex Palmer. And this is something, this is becoming something of a, a, a common thread, really. He made one really, really good save um, in the first half from a, from a cutback um, uh, effort, which, which took a little bit of a deflection on the way as well. He's also made another good save from, uh, from a long range effort in the second half, which to be honest, um, I think was an easier save for him. He's he, he's seen it a long way. Both of them though had a had a, about a 0.2 post shot expected goals. So you know what what we're basically saying is one in five goalkeepers would have let those in. Alex Palmer hasn't let either of them in. I mean he's just we we talked about this a few weeks ago, but I, I've got so much um, uh, so much time for Alex Palmer. I've got so much respect for him because look we had to we had to be highly critical of him after the after the Huddersfield game there was nothing else you could do because that he cost us that game I don't think there's I don't think you there's any way of getting away from that but the way he has reacted to that since is just unbelievable and four clean sheets in five as a goalkeeper is something you can be rightfully proud of but sometimes it is about the players in front of you more than it is necessarily about something you've done I think this four clean sheets in five is massively Alex Palmer's achievement, Pete. I don't think we would have I don't think we would have kept anywhere near that with another goalkeeper between the sticks. Yeah, he's been terrific after a bit of a, a slow start to the season. Um but now it seems like he's making massive save every game. Um one that you might not expect him to save and um he keep, yeah, he's consistently doing that. He's too better at doing making those saves than he is. Well, the ones that kept creeping in at the near post, we we noticed that he was struggling with when it comes to to one for, one for the cameras and 
tip the mobile easily. Um, that seems to be one of his strengths. Yeah, he's been been very good. Like you say, without him, we probably wouldn't have kept so many clean sheets in recent games. Last player, I just want to quickly discuss Pete before we uh, b- before before we end because um, it, it's it sounds like the, the the hamster running in the wheel that's powering your Wi-Fi is starting to get tired. <laughs> but uh, th- it, let's just quickly mention Nathaniel uh, Nathaniel Chalaber because he's a player that's come in for for some real stick. But I thought until he took that knock, which which I presume was the reason that he was taken off, he seemed to get his foot trod on in the middle of the park. He went down, and then it was only a few minutes later that 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 Corbran brought him off I think I think he I thought he was excellent I thought it was comfortably his best game for the for the club you you look at you look at the data he won 100% of his tackles he there was one really really powerful dynamic challenge in the in the middle of the park that created a really big opportunity for us but also he was getting forward he was he he was he was he completed a dribble he was getting into the box I just thought if we could, if we can see that kind of box to box dynamic performance from Chalaber more often, he can be a real asset for us. I suppose the the the, the frustration with Chalaber is that we don't see it we we don't see it anywhere near often enough. But credit where it's due, and you've you know you've got to you you've got to just uh, look at the performances and say what you see. Chalaber was excellent against uh, against Plymouth, and and I I thought we were we were. A worse side for for him going off, if I'm honest. Yeah, with Chalabri into the game a lot as well. Um, won a few challenges, and I think that spurred him on and improved his performance. Um, like I said, there was a big one in the middle that left the Plymouth player on the floor um, for a bit. Started a counter attack for us, and almost led to a good opportunity. But it was definitely one of his chances for us, and hopefully the injury isn't too bad. No, absolutely. Uh, let's hope he's available for Tuesday night against Queen's Park Rangers uh, when Albion will next be in action. However, that uh, as as is always the case uh, when we uh, when we have games in in uh, in quick succession, uh, we won't be able to. Um, well, if we might, uh, with it being a Monday night pod, we might uh, might rustle up a. Um, uh, a podcast uh, sort of between QPR and and Coventry, but it might be it might be a little bit later in the week. Uh, I can assure you, it, it won't be uh, it won't be on Wednesday because I'm uh, I'm teaching and then and then off to a wedding in the in the afternoon slash evening. So uh, uh, it it could well be as late as, as Thursday if we do manage to get something out. But uh, we will try and get something out in between the two games just because we've we haven't got a game till the the following Monday night. But um, until then, I will uh, leave Pete to. Uh, go and disappear into the Slovenian night, whatever indeed that looks like. Um, And uh, as always, thanks for listening and up the baggies. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 
24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with the McNugget share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.